Hello, and welcome to Talking General Practice, the podcast from GP Online. I'm Emma Bauer, editor of GP Online. On this week's podcast, I'm speaking to Dr. Richard Fieldhouse, who's chair of the National Association of Sessional GPs and has been a locum GP for 20 years. We're discussing whether the NHS is making the most of its locum GP workforce, how the pandemic has affected locums, and the pros and cons of a career as a locum GP. Don't forget, the podcast is now available every week, and next week I'll be back with Nick and Luke to discuss some of the key news stories affecting general practice. Before we meet Richard, just a quick message. If you've been enjoying our podcast, then please do think about rating us or leaving a review. OK, so I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr Richard Fieldhouse, who's chair of the National Association of Sessional GPs. Richard's been a GP locum for more than 20 years, and he set up the NASGP in 1997. He's been active in pot GP politics for many years, lobbying on issues that directly impact on locum GPs. He also founded the first GP locum chambers. So, Richard, before we get into the interview, I was just wondering if you could just explain a little bit about what the NASGP is. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm really pleased to be here. Um, so, yes, the NASGP, we, we started almost exactly 25 years ago. So this is our 25th year of uh, supporting sessional GPs, uh, salary GPs and locums. Um, so we are a not-for-profit membership organisation supported by uh, our members uh, who pay a small subscription fee every month. We got going really as a bunch of about 15 of us locums back in the day because we had all done our GP training, which had taught us how to be GP partners. But actually, we all became locums and we found it very professionally isolating. Yet we all passionately wanted to be GPs. We believed in, in general practice as a fantastic career. But as GP locums, we were kind of almost being hobbled. There was very little support if any, at all for us. So many of us had started up local locum support groups, which are working fantastically. So we wanted to roll that model out and at the same time um, help sort of uh, inform large organisations, get us on the map and get us the NHS pension scheme, which we uh, successfully lobbied for back in 1998, 1999 and got that. I was hoping we could start by talking a little bit about how the pandemic's impacted on locums, because it's definitely been a a tale of ups and downs or probably rather downs and ups um so you know if we think back to march april 2020 you know it was quite a difficult time for locums back there what was what was going on to begin with uh, we as an organization thought and nhs england thought because they're on the phone to us every day saying you know thinking as everybody did that there's going to be a huge need for gps with ill patients coming in through the door and, and all this sort of thing but of course what we never come across ever was that of course lockdown and all holiday all all, all study leave was cancelled there was this sort of wartime footing almost patients started to stay stay indoors they didn't want to go to gp surgeries and so almost overnight lots of locums who didn't otherwise have regular work particularly newly qualified gps who hadn't yet were locuming hadn't yet really got an established locum practice going were cancelled over Overnight, hardship. Many of them took up the um, the government uh, self-employed income support scheme because they just weren't getting paid. Those that already had a, a record, but, but obviously some had just started, so they didn't even have access to that. Going into the pandemic, we were five thousand GPs short, um, so there were lots of unfilled salary posts. So, so obviously they got taken up, um, but also obviously lots of stress, lots of isolation, lots of professional isolation. So we as an organisation got st- 
straight on to setting up regular online webinars. We just launched our own new UK-wide network of GP locum chambers, which is sort of like virtual practices for GP locums. So we were offering lots of support in that way. Um, and we were able to really support an awful lot of our, our chamber locum members with work because we just had all those connections. We've got this uh, online platform, Locum Deck, which, which enables all of that. So we were able to support them in, in that way. It's a very different picture now and probably almost from from sort of the middle of last year, really, wasn't it? I mean, we talk at length on the podcast about the workload crisis in general practice. Um, and many practices now are finding that they they kind of almost have to have locums helps to, to deal with it. So it's always been a complete turnaround. I mean, what's your understanding of the picture in terms of demand for GP locums? I mentioned we've got this this locum deck online platform. So we've got we've got real live data coming in by the hour from how bookings are going on that. And actually, in December, we broke all our records for the number of bookings come through. And then again, eight days still to go of January, we broke our December record with eight days still to go. The, the, and actually, on our through our platform, the number of bookings are going up exponentially since last August. There's a huge demand for locums. We've not seen anything like it. We've actually had to take on two new staff members to help cope with it and and, and support locums and support practices. At the same time, we're talking to lots of practice managers and they are just incredibly busy, as you know. So it's, 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 we're trying to work with, with, with all these practices, with all these locums to make sure you sort of get the combined benefits of working together in a sort of connected way. Some practices really struggle to to find locums. Are they kind of just constantly looking and can't get them? And yes, and there are reasons for that. And there's even a, a research paper came out uh, in last month's British Journal of General Practice by, by Kieran Walsh and, and team, which was pointed out why why some at some practices do struggle, uh, whereas some have no problem at all. There is a I think a, a kind of almost a problem going into this that that we have, uh, as a nation, uh, not really taken on the locum challenge and understand what we can do to make it a lot better for these practices. I mean, we, the, we at NHGP think we know the answers, and it, but, it, but it's a case of how do we tell people and get, and get people and get engaged with how practices, yes, can make better use of locums and get more locums to, to work with them. One of the things I wanted to talk a bit about before we get into that, though, is, is about sort of workforce data on locums is notoriously terrible. I mean, it's really hard to work out how many locum GPs there are out there. I mean, what do you, what do your estimates sort of put those figures at? Um, there are two ways to, to do it. There's the sort of the NHS digital way, which is relatively new and it's based on full-time equivalent, not headcount. Um, and it's done by, uh, I understand, a voluntary uh, input of data by practices. Um, so you can get huge underreporting if they're busy and haven't done it this month, kind of thing. Whereas, they, but also you've got the General Medical Council who have a, but by law, as a practicing GP, seeing patients, you must be on the GMC database. And the GMC database, last time I looked, of course, it changes daily, had about 68,000 GPs fully qualified practicing who've been revalidated. To be revalidated, you've got to be seeing patients. So you, you subtract the number of partners and salaries, which we definitely have the proper headcount for, and you're left with a figure of about 17,500 GPs. 
DP locums. And that's what the GMC uh, in 2018 published a document to state that that's that's the figure they think is the correct figure. That's about 25% of the workforce. That If if you take the fact that that, um, on average, a a locum is working part-time, that's about 60 million consultations a year. And to not have the data to not be totally on top of that, we can't really have a conversation about workforce planning when we don't know who these people are. Um, I mean, in ASUP, we've got we've got six thousand of them on our database, and we've got their phone numbers, you know, so we've got a good idea of who they are, where they are, where they're working, what they're doing. Um, but 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 the NHS, the mindset. There's a big problem, I think, about the mindset um, about GP locuming, both by by government, by NHS England, by practices, but locums ourselves as well. I think we, we've we've got to really think about who we are as locums, what our role is, what we do. Um, and that we, we need to help. We need to understand that ourselves and that will help practice and practice need to understand that and that will help locums. It's about working together. It's that the, 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 the it's greater than the sum of its parts, but we need to need to understand that and work out what that is. Do you think the NHS is making the best use of its locum GP workforce? And, and if not, what would you like to see happen so that it does? Um, it's starting to. It really, really is starting to. And, and I think this pandemic has sort of really cast a light on, on, on the need for, for locums. What the NHS has been doing, it's been taking a sort of a, a very sort of closed minded approach to locums. It's starting to open up. GP locuming is a desire path. It's what we want to do. It's a positive career choice. And what we try and do as an organisation is we try and understand, I mean, we're all locums ourselves, and we understand what how locums best work, how they like to work, how they want to work, what their passions are. Um, and, 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 and we work on that. We support them in making them to be the best locums they can be. Um, what, what, whereas the NHS for many years was all about, nope, they must be partners. Nope, they must be salary GPs. Nope. And, and, and we're selling, selling that as a way, but it's not what we want to do. And there, there are all sorts of reasons why people can't or don't want to work as salary or don't want to work as partner. Um, and we need to change the way we talk about being a GP that's not just all about continuity of care. And we talk about, we, we talk about in terms of relationships, in, in terms of continuity of relationship, but an, an ongoing sort of, you know, relationship over years. But actually, as a GP locum, I provide continuity through continuity of management, continuity of record. And I can create a relationship with a patient. That's my skill. That's our skills locums. Within 10 minutes, I can be the best relationship that patient's ever had with a GP. Yeah, sure. It might be only for 10, 15 minutes, but it's about relationship and it's about continuity. Um, and we can support that. And we, we don't, in general, perhaps we tend to kind of change and we tend to see it's kind of unique to being a partner, but there's so much more we can do to, to help locums understand that. No, there is a lot you can do as a locum for continuity. And also there are other ways to look at that elephant. We can, we can look at it in terms of the diversity of the fresh pair of eyes that we bring to practices. The fact that we can support struggling practices, we bring, we bring access. One of the NHS England's ideas on how to make better use of locums revolves around this, this idea of setting up these flexible pools of staff that would um, work across a, a local system, I guess. And they've been, the ICSs have been given funding to set these up and, and come up with a way of matching locums to practices. Have those schemes worked? I mean, what's your sense as an organisation of how those schemes have, have been set up and running? 
in principle, fantastic idea. And again, this is what I'm saying about NHS England. It's changed, it has changed its mindset. But the flexibility has, has got to be not just with the system that's setting these up. The flexibility has also got to it also got to empower and enable the locums themselves. So it's the, obviously the practice is a system needs flexible locums, but the locums also need flexibility. The problem we have in the NHS, the biggest problem we recognise in the NHS is workforce. And the biggest and the biggest problem the workforce have is wellness. It's resilience, um, and to, so we need a we need a work life balance. So being corralled into one way of working when a lot of us, some of us, choose to be locums because of the the imbalance uh, in, in control and responsibility that we have as salary GPs. Loads and loads of responsibility, but not much control. Partners. You've partnerships, you've got loads of responsibility, but you also have loads of control. And so there's a balance there, but in salaries that can, can be skewed. And, and but so what we don't want to be is, is locums, is then all of a sudden find actually where our control has been taken away. So we need that flexibility still. Um and and so what we've been doing with our with with, with as NASGP is we've we've worked these seven ICSs we're working, we're getting this this um ground up approach with 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 our locum chamber models and our principle goes that actually if you have happy engaged gps uh, who are who are motivated then everything else will follow on from that and where there are locum chambers around the country where you've got these things things work really really well and, and practices don't struggle actually just if there's anyone listening who doesn't really understand what a locum chambers is can you just explain briefly what what they are if you're a locum in a chambers and established chambers what you what what those locums all talk about is their sense of belonging a sense of purpose they get a real buzz from it they really enjoy it um and and what the chambers models is is is, is a very it's a professional gp version of that sense of belonging um, and actually people will move to an area locums will move gps will move to an area to join the chambers so basically it's like a virtual practice any town and have any city can have multiple chambers these bunches of locums come together and uh, no more than 10 to 15 locums per chambers they they either pay a percentage a small percentage of their income into a pot which helps support it or um, their local ics pays for it in our case as well therefore they have support from a chambers manager like their practice manager and also the support of clinical directors these these chambers get these locums get support for for educate signposted education and information like clinical guidelines you know facilitate the locums working in an area work with work with the CCGs, et cetera, to find out what, what's happening locally. The second thing is to support for, for booking, billing, invoicing, chasing late payments, pension forms, and all that sort of stuff. The third thing is social gatherings, get to know each other, to create this sort of psychological safety, to, to really get to know your colleagues, so that then in the um, in the monthly chambers meetings, clinical governance meetings, when these locums are actually meeting up, they feel safe to talk about complaints, about significant events. They won't be judged. The fourth thing is that is also is about it's about advice, it's about feedback, it's about enabling practices to very easily share feedback and give advice to the chambers, to the locums, so the locums can own that as a group, but also as a bunch of locums, if we're working for practices that we have concerns about. As the chambers, you, we can we can feedback through the chambers, so it's anonymous, and you can give really good constructive feedback 
back to practices. And then finally, all that activity that this bunch of locums is doing with feedback and, 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 and working in all these practices, and they sort of have a, you know, their, their sort of name badges and door plates and all of that sort of stuff. Well, um, um, all that gets really noticed by the system, by the local LMC and the CCGs, and and, and these locums, they, they get invited to, to join leadership positions and become part of the system. And all of this adds to a great sense of belonging. I was just going to come on to some of the sort of challenges locums face because they are locums. Um, I mean, the obvious thing that kind of comes to mind is this problem around death in service benefits, which which has never really been properly resolved. I mean, what's the situation with that? And do you think it's likely to be sorted out anytime soon? No, I don't think it'll ever be sorted out. Um, really? So, no. Be, I mean, it's 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 a bitter pill to swallow. Um, it is. It basically means that if. If, if you're a, a salary GP or a partner, 100% of your income is pensionable and you are in service 24-7. If you're a locum, you're only in service in the NHS pension scheme whilst you're at that practice. So if you die on the way home, um, the um, your your family will get something like a couple of hundred thousand pounds less than your um, your colleague who's a salaried or partner. Um, but so it is a bit of pill to swallow. However, it is there are ways to to get around it. And actually taking out a life insurance policy for that sum, speech your financial advisor, um, can actually completely offset that. There was a, there have been legal challenges and the BMA uh, aggressively pursued this, but but sadly they lost um, in an appeals court, I believe, and and it was therefore ruled that it cannot come back again as on appeal. Um, um, so. So, yeah, so I don't think that's ever going to change. But actually, I think there are more pernicious aspects of working as a locum related to pensions that are far more severe and have a far more effect down the line. Um, and, and also legal and tax law and all those sorts of stuff. Whereas actually as locums, we need to understand, no, actually, no, I'm an independent contractor. If I go off sick, I don't get any sick leave. I, my, I don't have that work stability. I don't get redundance. You are, you are your own, you're own, your business, you're your own organisation. And therefore you have to set your rates that, that will cover your costs um, and all of that sort of thing. So what are some of the problems around pensions that you're finding locums are coming across? Unusually, as GP locums, we get the NHS pension scheme, which is the workforce pension. Now, the government, there are laws around this. In a work, in any workforce pension scheme, there's an there's a, there's a employee contribution and then there's an employer contribution, which the employer has to pay by law. And it's very, very clear. And the, and the pensions regulator states that in no way must the employer in any way take money from what they would be paying the, the worker and get the worker to pay their own employer contribution. Um, now, that happens an awful lot. We hear so often in general practice now from our members about this, this um, uh, pension included rate. Now, um, it's obviously that's an issue for, for the locums because actually you know we're entitled to a pension anybody is um, and in general practice years ago the the employer's contribution is part of the global sum it has been allocated it, it is in general practice it is there to be paid to the locum and it's done on a sort of per capita per headcount thing for patient headcount so re- really practices 
you often they might, might say, oh, actually, you know, but it's what everybody else does. So, so we do it. But actually, if you look at the regulations um, and, and what we've heard from the pensions regulator, and we know of three locums who've actually taken this to the pensions regulator um, because they're not getting anywhere with practices, is that no, the, the practice has got to pay the employer contribution. It cannot incorporate in. So I think if you're a practice that 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 has, has done that, you probably really, really need to take some advice from your accountant about that and make sure you are doing that. You might be you might be able to, you might not. I don't know what the pension regulators' outcome has uh, outcomes have been yet. But my, my worry is that the lots of GP practices could all of a sudden find themselves facing a big bill where they've now got to pay their employment contribution on back to the locums going back many years so but but all of that ultimately is leading to a, a reduction in what what locums actually should be properly paying because they're having to pay their own employer's contribution over the years i mean there's definitely in the past there's been a slight sort of tension particularly between partners and locums hasn't there i mean what do you think some of the reasons behind that and do you think things have started to get a bit better now that practices are so reliant on locum help i think i think yes it's a case of communication talking to each other understanding other people and finding out about how other people work and 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 i don't want to labor the mindset point but but it's 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 practice understanding and locums themselves understanding i mean i've i've i can I could shoot myself the number of times I've said that I'm just a locum. Um, I haven't said that for a long time because I've programmed myself, but um, um, it's really hard to do sometimes because that's what you're told. When are you going to get, Richard, when are you going to get a proper job? The number of times I've been asked that. Um, and, and and actually, no, I, I love this work. It's, I'm really, I'm doing a really important role here. If it wasn't for me, there are patients out there that would be getting seen by GP for yonks, you know. It's, it's understanding that and it's understanding we're, all in this together and it's understanding that we do want to support practice the kind of the the, the, the our, our raison d'etre why we get up in the morning i think to my for me anyway it's i'm there to support practices and and by supporting practices i can, I, will, I will work there and i'll then support their patients um and it's understanding what what the, what the patient needs from you as a locum and how we can sort of lean in professionally uh, and support them to do that and by doing that then the practices get to understand who you are and, and how you work what can practices do to make sure they're making the best of their locums and to make sure they attract locums to work there there are. I mentioned that sort of secret formula for for how how we support chamber locums, but you can apply that same formula. And we've actually done research as this as an organisation. In, 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 in we were funded a few years ago by one of the London CCGs to go in and interview locums and interview practices. And what we found out there's a huge discrepancy in what locums will charge. Um, and even the same locum will charge different rates at different practices. And again, we found five key things, same based on that, that principle of the chambers. So education and information. A practice that invites locums to its educational events or um, keeps locums informed of local systems and pathways and all of that locums love to work there if you don't do that it's quite difficult to work at that practice it feels a bit dangerous because you don't know what's going on you don't feel embedded in in what the needs of the patients are so you kind of think actually i don't have much rather work in a practice where it's a bit easier so 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 that can affect the rate the second thing is 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 is, is stuff like bookings and invoicing don't cancel locums at the last minute uh, and pay them on time that, that the locals will therefore want to work for you. You know, if you get paid, paid really quickly and and, and, and don't get cancelled, that's really good. That's a practice I will happily accept bookings at and work there. The third thing is about feeling part of a team. So uh, invite locums to uh, um, um, 
coffee breaks to 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 lunch to have to have lunch with you, and vice versa as a locum. Invite yourself. Um, practices don't won't say no. It's just that they're just so busy; they just don't necessarily have time to think about the locum. So it's we've got to we've got to change our mindset and 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 and, and do that proactively. The fourth thing is about it's about locums asking for advice asking for feedback you know be bold please can have some feedback please can have some advice and ditto um and being in a position to feel you can do that to the practice it's going to be diff- different if you don't can't do that anonymously um sometimes but i can say 95 percent of the time when 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 our chambers have given feedback to practices they just like i say thank you so much we had no idea um and, and actually they really appreciate it and it shows that you are you you care about you about improving things and about services for patients. So, and what we found basically from our research is, is that that where locums feel that they are being, you know, enfranchised into these sort of structures and processes of practices, and they, they love it and they want to work. And they will, they will, not only will they charge less, but they will also, they will also do so much more. Being a locum is becoming more and more popular now, partly because of all the pressure practices are under, but also because I just think, you know, this whole idea about portfolio careers, that is a big draw, I think. What would you say um, to younger GPs starting out as locums? What are the, the, the big tips you could give them? Sit down with, with, with a friend and a friend and colleague and, and work out obviously what you want from your career, what it is that excites you. Um, and it's, it's a big journey. Uh, and it's, it, it, it can be part of being a local, it can be part of being a partner, having a, having a portfolio career is, is really kind of open to everyone, but it, it has challenges. Um, um, you, you, as a GP locum, if you're just doing a, at one or two sessions a week, you still got to be up to date with everything else. A full time GP, we need to. Plus, you need to be up to date with whatever it, else it is you're doing in your other portfolio. So it can be hard work. And again, it's it, it's it's not. Don't drift into it. Commit to it. Really understand. Map out what it is that you think you can be doing in 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 three months, two years time, five years time. Where you will be, um, and. And 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 how how you might be pulled away to, in some of these portfolios and and not others. Um, work out the ones that is going to pay your mortgage, and work out the ones that's going to make you feel alive. And and that this is exactly what you want to be doing. It's often a balance. You might not enjoy each of these different portfolios as much, but it's how they can all work together to make this this sort of old holistic you you rather than um um and something. You you might not want to be and, and again just taking on roles saying yes to everything don't do that uh, i uh, uh, you know think really carefully it's really good to volunteer for stuff um um but but be 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 wary that you don't want to start taking on too much and we've we found that so many times with with locums they started locum work and they just accept every every um every work offer that's going out out there and, and they end up thinking oh my god my calendar is just a total, total wall of, of appointments and uh um so yeah you've got to got really got to look after yourself and if you can look after yourself and and you've got things planned then 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 once you've got a it's not about the goal it's about the systems you have in place to help it you know when, when's your day off key in that holiday that day off that time with your partner um that time for reflection looking after yourself all of that so but you know it's it's all obvious stuff 
No, that's good advice for everybody, I think. But definitely, I think for busy GPs, it's very hard for a lot of them to find time to do many of those things. So, yeah. Because we love to please. We love to please people. And then that's, you know, that can be our downfall. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much to Richard Fieldhouse for speaking with me. Don't forget you can catch up with all the latest news affecting general practice on our website, gponline.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at gponlinenews. I'll be back next week for our regular news review, where the GP Online team will be looking at some of the key news stories affecting general practice. Do tune in then. 